What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey everyone, welcome to The Final Four is Not on the Schedule. I'm your host Eric, alongside with expert analyst Rod. Thanks for joining us on the best MSU basketball podcast featuring an in-depth recruiting, game matchup, and post-game analysis. We dive deep to give you the best tools to enjoy the Spartans and impress your friends and family. Hey everybody, it's Eric alongside Rod. We're here to talk about the venues of the Big Ten and which are the best, which are the worst, or at least which are the hardest and which are the easiest. And um, so before we start the discussion, just want to remind you that you are what makes us so great. You're the ones who make our show so popular. Uh, it's top 100 basketball podcast in America, largely because of you. And so because of that, I'd like to thank you and also encourage you to continue spreading the show with your friends, other Spartan fans, people who might be interested in the show. And, uh, you know, Maybe get them on to the Jay Billis episode or Robbie Hummel uh, or Mike DeCourcy or certainly any of the pregame and postgame analysis, especially once we get closer to the basketball season. And uh, this extra content is what we do for you because we enjoy talking hoops even when it's spring outside or now it feels like summer. Uh, so let's let's get right into it, Rod, here. Uh, we'll start with the venues that you have ranked from the toughest. Well, we'll, we'll start from the easiest to the toughest. So we'll start backwards. So uh, Bryce Jordan, Welsh Ryan. Pinnacle Bank Arena, Chrysler, Value City, Williams Arena, Carver Hawkeye, and then for the top seven, the Rack, Xfinity Center, State Farm, Cole, Assembly Hall, Breslin, and Mackey. So I guess let's start with the easiest venue, which is Bryce Jordan, or aka the Catacombs out in Penn State and State College. Yeah, and and look, just as a preface to this, this is obviously <laughs> a subjective read of these things. Um you can be splitting hairs and you'll see as we go, um, there are some tough calls where there's certainly room for, uh, room for debate. I don't think there's much room for debate on this one though. No, you know, it's really interesting. They built Bryce Jordan. I didn't look it up to see the exact year it debuted, but I want to say the not long after, uh, they joined the big 10, so mid nineties mm-hmm. that it debuted, yeah. I'm pretty sure. And my understanding, I have not been to a game there candidly, but my, uh, my understanding is, and you can kind of see it when you see the games on TV, it was modeled very much after Breslin. There's a lot of that that goes on in, um, stadium construction is that if there's a successful, what's perceived to be a successful mm-hmm. design, other schools or even in the pro ranks they do this they'll use those successful designs as templates and so that's my understanding of course one big difference between those two buildings is the breslin center actually has bodies in it um (laughs) bryce important bryce jordan is the closest thing i think we get to what the COVID experience was And that really is, I say it's the easiest venue, but in one sense, it's not 
you know, if you're, and, and obviously guys who have actually played in these games as opposed to us in these buildings would know even better, but I think it's fair to say that when you're playing in a hostile environment, let's say you're playing a game in, in Champaign or, you know, Iowa city, wherever you want to pick as a visiting team, you can use that hostility from the crowd as fuel. And we see that from time to time And certain players. I mean, Scott Skiles was a classic example of that Scott Skiles sure. would, would play better as the crowd got on him more and more vociferously, you know, um, the issue at Bryce Jordan is you really have to find a way to manufacture your own emotion because it's not mm-hmm. going to come from the crowd. Really? Uh, it's just, and I, I just, I don't know what can change it other than the easy answer, which is well-sustained success. But even that, I, I just don't know. Penn state is the classic example of a football school. It's football audience is tremendous. You look at, you know, game, people talk, if we were doing this ranking for football stadiums, it might be the polar opposite. I mean, I think mm-hmm. people, again, can have differing opinions, but there would at least be an argument for Penn State to be as tough a venue in football as you can play in, in the Big Ten for a visiting team, from a visiting team's sure, perspective. Yeah. So it's a great fan base for football. Basketball has just not been there, and that's down to, a lot of things. I think it's down first and foremost to a lack of a tradition of great success. But I also think, you know, Western Pennsylvania, and it's not Western Pennsylvania. I guess it's it's that would be more central, pit, central yeah, Pennsylvania. Whatever, yeah. But the state of Pennsylvania, let's say that outside of Philadelphia, is not a great basketball state. That doesn't mean it doesn't produce talent. But it's not my my impression has been it doesn't compare to Michigan, Ohio, Illinois, Indiana as Big Ten states where basketball really does matter to one degree or another. It's it's not quite the same level. And so I think the fan base reflects that, you know, so when you put those two things together, you don't have basketball as religion or at least as something a pastime people care about very much in the area to start with and then on top of that you're not even giving them an excuse to come see it because you're not winning very much it's a tough deal i mean you know they had an they had as not just that they were good but penn state this year was as aesthetically entertaining a team as there was in my opinion in college basketball, they played, um, a weird, unique style with very different kinds of players. And I mean, Jared Pickett, um, operating uh, Jalen Pickett, I'm sorry, operating, mm-hmm. uh, as a post player at six, four, uh, and nominally a point guard, but he's also your best post up guy. I mean, it was just, um, uh, funk with the quickest, wildest release in the game out, at least outside of Tamanaga. Um, you know, they were really entertaining. And yet I didn't have the impression that the crowds were markedly better than we typically see. So I have to put them last. I I mean, just for those reasons, I think, I don't think many people would differ with that. And that's going to be a real challenge. You know, the new coach, Mike Rhodes, probably the first thing, one of the first things I would think any coach coming into that program thinks is 
they've got to find a way to turn that into a home court advantage. That's challenging. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it's funny because I, I look at that and I think it, it harkens back to Rutgers when they first joined the league. I don't think Rutgers was a particularly difficult place to play in that. But they one is I think they were they sort of made it more fun maybe for the students. But I, I think really it's getting to be honest, I think the reason say Breslin is so good and many of these the venues is because of the intense student engagement in these ga- these uh, these uh, games. Well, and we'll and talk, so we'll if talk about that as we go through it because right. I think that is a separator between certain places, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I don't think there's any question, and and I just think like if you're Penn State, it absolutely makes sense to me to maybe not give away the tickets, but pretty much give away yep. the tickets and get as many students because. I noticed this last year, and and maybe this is maybe this is uh, maybe it's just my guess, but my impression is that people are looking for more in person experiences than they were in the past. I know for a while we're like, well, with high definition TV and stuff, people are not interested in uh, going to games and this sorts of things. But I feel like that has turned in the last year or so, and I think in some respects, I think it's because people are seeking you know social contact with other people, and so I. I think there's an opportunity, especially with indoors, when you're not worried about weather and things like that, that, you know, you sit in the rain, you might be able to get, you might be able to get some, you know, engagement from your students. And because that's what can really totally turn around atmosphere, because if they're excited, even if you're not crazy in your seats, when you're like 45 years old, it's just more enjoyable going to game. If there's energy in the building, you know, the, the other suggestion I would make to them, and this is more of an aesthetic one, but these at, are free, by the way, Penn State administration, at, at, at least <laughs> it's the way it comes across on television. Um, one other big difference between that building and Breslin is the way that they're lit. Um, Breslin is bright. And so the whole lower bowl is always bright. And mm-hmm. it just, I, I, I think that the, the dark move can work in certain places. We'll talk about this as we yeah, get into the upper right. end of the, the list places like Illinois or especially Mackey where they used to be just, I mean, it, it used to be even more extreme than it is now when you would watch a game on television, the court would be lit and that was it. Everything else was pitch black, but you could hear them. That was really intimidating, mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you don't have the bodies and it's also, it's, it was a problem that Michigan had for years with Chrysler and they, they altered their lighting a little bit. And I think it helped if you don't have just a, an automatic sellout rabbit atmosphere, um, you know, changing the lighting Penn state is just always kind of dark and, but not, but not pitch black, just kind of dire. You know, it, it feels like a storage closet yeah, you walked into. Yeah, it's, em- it's empty, but it's kind of yeah. dim. <laughs> and so I would, I would maybe look at that too. But anyway, they're clearly the worst. I don't think this one's up for debate. Do you think when, and I don't know what UCLA and UCUSC's, you know, I, I think in general we feel like their fan bases are not rabid sports. Uh, UCLA basketball competitions in general. UCLA basketball is kind of an outlier because it, it can be. Um, it can be good, but it seems to vary some, um, as things, most things sports wise do in Southern California. But yeah. anyway, I wonder when USC joins, if it, where it'll end up here, but, um, well, let's move on to number 13, which is Welsh Ryan Northwestern. And this is a venue that was, I mean, 
as most places in Chicago, when you have a small alumni base as Northwestern does, and you have large alumni bases, yep. huge state public universities, you're going, and you don't have very good athletic tradition. It's easy to get tickets. It's easy to flood these arenas and become sort of almost a home away from home sort of situation that happened many times at Northwestern. Although I feel like the end of the season, it changed a little bit, but For sure. that's definitely been sort of their history. I think this year signified something of a breakthrough for them. Now, can they sustain it? That's a question, but um, I thought their atmosphere in the back half of big time play was really good. You're right. What the problem is there's some, there's some things that are good about it. It's an, it's a smaller venue, which by the way, is one of the things that really helps the rack. If you've got a smaller mm-hmm. venue and you start engaging the fan base to fill it, those buildings can become instantly tougher be, to play yeah. in because the sound reverberates a little better. It tends to, so the, the acoustics make it tougher. Um, it just feels like they're more on top of you. So while Shrine has some things to like about it, uh, they recently, just a few years ago, went through a... Um, refurbishment of the building. So I, I have not been there since I imagine it's the amenities are nicer, et cetera. But in terms of the environment, the reason they're this low is what you alluded to for, for pretty much the entire period I've been paying attention. Uh, so that's a long time. Uh, those crowds <laughs> have tended to be split in terms of most of the games they play there between the wildcats and whichever school is visiting. Uh, particularly the ones like Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, with large Illinois, Indiana, yeah. with large fan bases that also have a lot of alums in Chicagoland. Um, that's a, so that's a problem when you can't always count on having a decided crowd advantage. That's it's tough, but but I would still rate it ahead of Bryce Jordan because they they have occasionally had it be a true home court. And it's just, it's a, because it's smaller, more intimate. I think it's easier to get to a spot where you could say, okay, this isn't a gimme kind of atmosphere for an opposing team. Yeah. Well, and there is an atmosphere, right? I mean, there is actually some energy. Yes. Right. It can can turn on you if you're not playing well. Right. I mean, uh, so moving down to number 12, Pinnacle Bank Arena, which is Nebraska, and this is one that, at least on television, I've never been there, but it certainly looks like it has the potential to be yes. a much tougher venue if North Nebraska was good. I agree. You know, I mean, what else are you going to do in Lincoln But uh, in the winter? I, I feel like this is, I may be being a little bit unfair to them, um, but at, at some point you've also got to start factoring in what the success level is. Right. Mm-hmm. You could say, mm-hmm. well, they get good crowds and they're, you know, they seem to be into it, but you know, the team doesn't win very much. How can you call it a tough venue? That, and that's fair. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, in Nebraska's case though, I think you're right. That's a tougher building waiting to happen because they do turn out. It's new, very new, might be the newest in the league. As a matter of fact, I think it, I think it is. Um, but they've got to they've got to put better teams in there. And when that happens, if and when that happens, then I think you will see them move up this list because there there are some teams here. There are some buildings rather on this list directly ahead of them that I don't think it would take any more than that to jump. them. No. You know, because yeah, some of I these agree. programs have won a lot over time, and yet I've still got them down toward the bottom. That tells you that's probably not likely to change. 
Nebraska could change if they just get a yeah. better product in there. Well, and I think it's a good example is Rutgers, right? Absolutely. You have it. Absolutely. Right? I mean, except except yeah, that Nebraska is on a much, much bigger level. It's a much bigger building. Um, the crowds are larger. You know, they, they could really, you know, I, I would say this, and this might seem a stretch, but honestly, if they had really, really competitive teams, I could easily see Nebraska becoming something equivalent to like a coal center. Oh, sure. I could see that. I, yeah, I'd buy that. Yeah. Yeah. No question. Well, and then going down to the next center list, number 11 is Chrysler Center, University of Michigan. Uh, this is a place that, you know, I, I think this, I think Michigan's biggest problem, well, aside from the facilities are kind of lousy, is just the a lack of commitment really to the basketball program yeah. from the athletic department yep. over decades and decades, because even in the nineties with a fab five, they weren't selling out the arena and it's not like it's 50,000 seats, right? It's like a sort of typical size. It's a little smaller than Breslin. It's I think 12,000 or 11,000. That's like that. I, to me, that's the most damning fact about Michigan as a basketball school is with the most hyped or overhyped, depending upon your vantage point team in my lifetime of watching college basketball, they couldn't consistently sell it out. That's, that's just crazy. And I could tell you as recently as year before last, I was at unfortunately because it was a terrible game from an msu perspective <laughs> i've referenced it here often um i was at the msu game at chrysler but you know the striking thing was i was in the upper bowl and it was it, to say it was half full might be generous that's amazing yeah because i mean it's not like michigan state is not like but they are rival i mean you can argue it's not the rival, but certainly basketball. Oh, basketball it is. Ohio State. In, in Ohio State, right? But in basketball, it's clearly Michigan State. It's Ohio State one sport. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. Right. That and and honestly, if Michigan State had not been hitting the skids at that point in the season, I think there would have been even more MSU fans. Trust me, there were a lot of MSU fans in that building. I was far from alone. And that's also, and I've been to multiple games. I've probably been to five, six games at Chrysler over the years. And um, it's always that way. There are always a bunch of Michigan State fans. Now, that's not that abnormal. You, you see a lot of Michigan fans at Spartan Stadium, right? It, so yeah. th that, that in and of itself is not so damning. But when, when they can't even come close to filling the building, it says something. Um, I give John Beeline a lot of credit and I was really hard on him early in his tenure because I just didn't think there were a lot of aspects to the way he was running his program that I didn't think would work. And in fairness to him, he adjusted a lot of those, but um, look, he proved me wrong. He actually had a very successful tenure and I think is pretty clearly the best coach they've had in my lifetime. But uh and, and I would give him credit for forcing that school to make some adjustments in terms of commitment to the program, what you were mentioning. Like it was under his watch that they did a rehab of Chrysler and it is better. It's a better experience than it once was. I mean, that, that place just felt like a dungeon for a long time. Mm -hmm. It just, it was built in the sixties. Uh, it got, outmoded by i would say by the late 80s early 90s you could really feel it and as the 90s went along that just continued um 
and he managed to get them to commit. And it's a better, you know, like I said, one of the things they've done, they've changed the lighting. One of the big things he did was something you mentioned a few minutes ago. They don't have a student section on par with the best in the conference. Like they're not, the maze rage is not as good as uh, the is It's not as good as the paint crew at Purdue or the orange crush in Champaign, but it's good. And it's far better than it once was. And I think getting enthusiasm ramped up for that group and then making sure that like some of these other places, they get premium seating around the court has helped improve the atmosphere as well. It's just, it's hard to rate them any higher than this though, because I, I guess one of the ways I look at it is when you, as a fan of an opposing team, you think about going into these buildings, you know, the, 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 the parameters I always use are if they're good, meaning the, the team hosting you is good. Do you have any chance of winning? If they're not good, are you still worried about the game? You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. And with Michigan, I don't ever feel, and, and look, you could certainly lose there. I mean, Michigan state, it's been what, I guess it's been since, uh, 19 since Cassius's junior year since MSU has won there. So that's several losses in a row at Chrysler, but still I'm going to feel that way, you know, this season going into Chrysler. So yeah, yeah. that's a game. You, that's a road game you can get. And I, and that's right. And that's their biggest rival feels that way. So if you're Rutgers or your Iowa, do you feel like going into Chrysler? Yeah. That's one that at least you don't feel going into it. Like, Hey, we've got no chance. Of course. It just doesn't have that kind of atmosphere to it. Never has. So I can't really, you, these next few, you can debate to some extent, but um, I, I do feel justified in putting Chrysler where I've got them. Yeah, no, I think they are sort of like a Bryce Jordan, but they have some fans and they have, and they have a lot more tradition and, and, and certainly more success. So you can't just count, which is why they have more fans. And so they, yeah, they sort of relate to each other for sure. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Between the kids being home and hosting, everything in our house gets used up in summer. With Instacart, I can save money by stocking up on all my favorite summer brands. I save time by getting everything delivered in as fast as an hour. And I save myself a sink full of dirty dishes by stocking up on paper plates for the annual summer cookout. Save more on summer essentials? Spend more time enjoying summer. Add summer to cart. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Before we go on to the next grouping, I just want to remind everybody that Nudge Printers, uh, they are a great sponsor of the show. They've been our original sponsor, and so I'd encourage you to check out their stuff. They have some great summer wear that they've uh, lines they've brought on with the state of Michigan going to the beach, and we have also some new stuff for tailgating because it is not that far before football season begins. And so you want to make sure you get your T-shirts and your other Spartan gear available, cornhole decals, etc. You can get all that at nudgeprinting.com. Uh, you get 20% off if you enter Final Four into the coupon code. Uh, you can get, again, apparel. They have decals for the wall, for cornhole, and uh, just a great selection and great high-quality stuff from some Spartan alums who support the university very well. All right, so uh, make sure you go to Nudge Printing. You won't regret it. Next on the list, uh, as we go to the next grouping, is Value City, which is also the Ohio State Buckeyes. And this is, um, you know, in some ways I almost think it's, it, it, this is one of the splitting hairs. I almost feel like this one's easier than than Chrysler in Summer's X, just from Michigan State's vantage point. Uh, but I don't know. I suppose it it always feels like there are some fans there when you watch on TV. I've never been there, but it doesn't feel like it's an overwhelming atmosphere, which is you know obviously why it's tenth and not higher in the list. Yeah, and this is the splitting hairs. If someone were going to argue Chrysler was a better venue than Value City, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't pick that as a hill to die on. Let's put it that way. Uh, here's the problem for Ohio state. It's two problems. I think the first is football first school. And that's, you know, you could say that about Michigan too, although I, I'd never feel like the atmosphere in their football stadium is all that great considering they got, you know, six figures worth of people in there. But anyway, Mm -hmm. um, Ohio state is a football first school. Now they've had a ton of success basketball wise, but it's not a place where I feel like the basketball fan base is passionate. It's engaged. If they're good, they're interested, but it's not passionate. So that sets them below some other programs, right? The other thing is when they built value city, it's a, I have been there and it feels like a pro building. Everything's Mm -hmm. just set back a little bit more than in some of the, college buildings i'm talking about even the newer ones like you know breslin or some of these other places um and that doesn't help you know i can remember a time uh as a person of some years where uh (laughs) there were a lot of these old field houses in the big Ten. So ohio state st john's arena wisconsin had a field house MSU had Jenison, obviously Iowa had their place. There were a lot of these old buildings and they just Ohio state, you know, Michigan state. I still maintain I've never been in a louder building than Jenison when Jenison was, was hopping when they were rolling Mm -hmm. loudest building for basketball, for any sport I've ever been in was Jenison field house. Um, but MSU obviously has done a really good job with Breslin at 
finding a way to make these newer style venues hostile and a great atmosphere. Ohio State has yeah. not been able to do that in the same way. It's not bad. It just it just lacks feel. It lack and again, I go we you know, we go back to student sections. What's the Ohio State student section called? Is there one? I don't, I don't know, know that there is, there is either. I was trying to think about that. There's got to be, but I don't, <laughs> you know, as opposed to, you know, what separates it from a place like Wisconsin, Cole Center, also a newer era building. Well, Wisconsin has the Grateful Red. That's a good student section. And that kind of leads their crowd. And it's a much more engaged room than what they have at Value City. So I think those are the, the differences. So next, moving on to Carver Hawkeye Arena, which nope, is obviously nope, Iowa nope. City. Williams Arena. Oh, sorry. Williams Arena. Yeah, sorry. You're right. Number nine, Williams Arena in Minnesota, which is a place that I feel like in the past was was harder, partly because Minnesota is better. 100%. But I feel like they, but I feel like they changed the, um, you know, before you sat below the, the floor. Yes. And I feel like it was like a long ways below the floor before. It was. And maybe now it's not as it dramatic. And I would... I've, and I feel like the floor is a little smaller. So I think players had to feel like they're going to fly off and, you know, you're chasing after ball. You're like going to think twice before you head to the sideline because you may tumble another two feet into the you know cement floor. You or were something. playing on a stage and it's actually, I believe Judd was the first guy to do this where he just got sick and tired of climbing up to that thing. So he started bringing a stool that he would sit on on the raised floor. So he didn't have to keep going up and down, but yeah, you were playing on a stage (laughs) and I actually in junior high, my, my junior high gym was (laughs) you, they would, they would raise a divider that would come down between the gym and the auditorium. So it wasn't entirely like Williams, but you were literally on a stage. And if you went hard after a ball going out of bounds on the sideline, in a, on one side of the court, you could theoretically go flying off a stage. So I know that (laughs) feeling from personal experience, and it's gotta be really frightening when it's the entire court. I've got Williams here basically based on a long timeline, because the reality is in recent years, they haven't been consistently good or good at all at some, in some points and the crowds aren't what they once were, but I'm telling you, if they manage to put a competitive team back on the court, that building becomes very difficult to win in because it's the only one of its kind left in the league. The rack is also older, but it's a little different. Yeah. Williams arena is one of the last, the last man standing, so to speak of those old field, those old, like, you know, say 8,000 to 12,000 seat field houses. And like assembly hall would be the other one. Too, yeah, assembly hall is, not that old and it's a different building it's a different yeah. kind of building this is these are the old brick buildings you know that's what they are yeah and right. yeah and um if you, you know if you've been to and most of our listeners or a lot of them i would expect have been to jenison at some point in their lives and it's like that except i think williams yeah. is a little bigger than jenison was if, I, if memory serves but those buildings man the acoustics are such that they can, when they get loud, they get really loud and the crowd is much more on top of you than at some of these newer buildings. So it, I've seen Williams arena be great. So I can't, I can't put it behind some of these others, even though right yeah. now 
yeah, you could argue, is it easier to win a game at Williams Arena than Chrysler? Yeah, in part because they're bad. And in part because they're bad, the crowd isn't as engaged as it used to be. But objectively, I think it's a better arena. For sure. And I feel like, you know, I still am a little nervous when Michigan State goes to play in Williams Arena just because of the past yeah, long time ago. Sure. Clem Haskins. And, and then I'm like, I have to remind myself, okay, Michigan State's won like, I don't know, 10 in a row in, right. in Minneapolis. But, but that's, that's uh, it. But, exactly. If you've been around long enough, you still have that feeling about it. Right. So now we'll move on to the next one, number eight, which is the Carver Hawkeye Arena in Iowa City. Uh, for our, Iowa Hawkeyes. It is, um, now I've spent a lot of time in this when I was at school at Iowa. So, um, and I was there during the bad years and then they got better during Steve Alford, although they were, the crowds are better anyway. Um, and, uh, the, it is a really cool arena in that you walk in street level, all the superstructure for the roof and everything is, or for like the holding of the roof up is actually outside on top of the building. So it's a very strange looking building, but you walk in and it, you just, it's one level. You just walk straight down. The one thing I would say, and it's why it doesn't, I think rank that highly is, yeah, I was mainly a football school primarily, but also the fact that their students, which they have, they're relegated behind the basket and they're not on the floor. Yep. At least, and now they may have moved them since then, but they are back a ways. And so I think, you know, I, to, to point why you would have students so far away from to when you keep yourself a home court advantage. I realize they're boosters who pay money and stuff. That's it. Gray that's, the stuff, but that's, the but, that's the tension. But but if if I were a coach going in to run one of those programs, I would make that that kind of thing a non-negotiable point. Look, I yep, understand people and and you see who's got, you know, there was something that Beeline did, for example. He my understanding is he kind of forced that to happen that that student section was given better priority prioritized seating and it makes a difference. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's no question. And I mean, with, uh, with uh, Steve Alford, it was still, there's still really good crowds that were there. Um, but you know, it's just not the same when you don't have the, it, if you have to have a really good team, cause if you yeah. don't, uh, they can really, they, it can be a bad experience. And that definitely happened for a long time at Iowa with lick lighter and, and uh, right. those really down years for Iowa. And I still feel like in general, it's not that hard a place to win in probably even when I'd say that after Michigan state collapsed last year, but I don't think they struggled that much. And you don't think they're going to Carver Hawk like, Oh no, they're, it's gonna be really tough to win. Unlike say going to Kinnick stadium, right? Like a totally different right. experience in the right. same city. Yep. I agree. All right, so we're moving to the top half now, and next one we've referred to a couple times, the rack, which is actually no longer the Rutgers Athletic Center. I don't, what's it called again now? It's the uh, Jersey, big, uh, Jersey, Jersey, Joe, Jersey Mike's, yeah, Jersey Mike's, Jersey Mike's, whatever. or something like that. It's the rack, yeah, arena, right? It's the rack. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, that has been become a venue that was uh, at one time, of course, when Rutgers was winning one game in the Big Ten, you know, or zero. Uh, There's not a hard venue, but now it's it's loud, it's tough, and they're absolutely and so it's at, obviously up higher in the list look and it's you know this does in some instances this becomes a chicken or the egg kind of thing with are they good <laughs> totally. or are they good because the building's good but i think at rutgers you've seen what steve pico has been able to do in terms of uh developing that program and consequently turning his home court into a real advantage it's just it's such a small building that if you get a crowd in there and it's raucous at all, again, the noise level, I've got to, I've not been there, but I've got to believe it's just very, very difficult to deal with. 
And, you know, it's more like a high school gym, right? That's what it looks like um, yes. as opposed to a big 10 school arena. But I think it's become a real advantage for Rutgers. The results don't lie. You know, that, that has become a very difficult place to play in. And so for now, at least, I don't think you can really rank them much lower. Yeah, no, that's it. It's definitely a place when you see your teams going in there. You, I think you have a little trepidation that doesn't matter what the Rutgers team is. You're like, well, this is gonna be a tough. This is gonna be a tough game because it's a tough right. place to play. And similar to the next one on the list, which is the Xfinity Center with Maryland, the ter- Terrapins. Uh, again, they, so they've got a really good basketball tradition. And um, anyway, that's a tough place to play too, especially when they're starting to hum like they did last year. It's you know the thing is the last the last few years it's gone downhill a bit because they, there was a lot of dissatisfaction with Mark Turgeon and they weren't really contending. And I think that that is all impacted, but, but you can remember the early stages of them being in the big 10 and certainly the Gary Williams era at Maryland when they were in the ACC and they were for a time, at least were a national title contender and actually won one, uh, that's a basketball school. I mean, Maryland, that's a fan base that cares about the sport. And so even though it's more one of these pro style buildings, the difference between them and a place like value city is I think that fan base when they're engaged, makes it very difficult, a very difficult building to win in. So I've got them there. And, you know, if we were to do this thing five years from now and Kevin Willard keeps them on track and they keep getting better, it could even rank higher just because of that fan base as much as anything else. Uh, so now we kind of move into um, the, I think the, the venues that you're every year to year, you think it's going to be a tough place to play. Yeah. And I think you always, and this, we'll start with state farm, which is where the, the fighting line I play in champagne. Uh, this is a place where I mean, I feel like, I don't know how often Michigan state's discussed Michigan state is successful there, but it's well, well under like 40%. I think it's gotta be, uh, it's, they're great fans. And like you said, they have the weird lighting there yep. and the fans feel like they're right on top of you yep. and they're, they're, they're into the game. I mean, there's no question. They love their basketball. These, these top five, you can, you can debate them. And I, I wouldn't argue that a different listing is not possible, you know, and totally justifiable. In fact, even as I'm looking at this, as we're discussing it, I'm wondering, God, should I have put them forth? instead of fifth because it's tough yeah um yeah and there's some recency bias in this because there have been periods over the last 20 years where illinois wasn't great right um but that building is they check every box it's it's an older building again it's another one of these goes back to the 60s but um gets loud they they have the dark lighting that in their case i think helps it makes it intimidating and they've got a great and have, for a long time have had a great student section it's right on top of you so uh, yeah it checks all the boxes as a top tier building I, I don't think there's any doubt about that yeah and when you go when you're it's they're on your schedule as a road game you're you're going to definitely think it's, well, it's be, one of those as, very lucky to, get, to as come I out said, with the win the standard is okay if they're good do you think you have any chance to win going in there and illinois is a building where if illinois is is really good no you probably mark that down as an l going yeah, in right. in your mind 
Um, Maybe you steal one, but that's how you look at it. Right. And if they're not good, do you still worry about it? And I think usually the answer is yes. Yeah. I think there's no question about that. Uh, Another thing there's no question about if you need help with the gutters, work on your problems with drainage off your roof, you want to get a hold of the brothers that just do gutters. That's all they do. They just do gutters. So if you're in the state of Michigan on the west side of the state, you can talk to Kurt Stauffer and his team. If you're on the east side of the state, you can talk to Greg and his team. They do fantastic work. They specialize, again, just in gutter work. If you want to take care of those leaves, you want to take care of uh, some leaks or you have some bad vinyl ones or something like that, you need those replaced or repaired. They can do it. They can do it quickly. They do it. It's a very good price. And you're not getting to some guy who just decides to do this on the side. And so these are people who only do the gutters and they do it in just about any weather. They're kind of crazy in that sense. I think they're out and like they had mine, they did in February. So you will not regret going to the Brothers Adjust You Gutters. You can find the contact information underneath, but you can also just go to brothers uh, brothersgutters.com and you can find your, send in your zip code and find your area and you can get a hold of the people, uh, either Greg on the southeast side of the state and run Detroit area uh, or, or, um, Chris Stauffer on the east side, or the west side over by Grand Rapids, Saugatuck, Holland area. All right, so now we'll move into our top four here, and we'll start with Cole Center in Wisconsin. This is a place that was, with under Bo Ryan especially, was, to your point, I mean, you never expected ever to win right. there. <laughs> right. You ever got a one. Even if you were competitive, you were happy. Yep. <laughs> Although I guess it was always close because Wisconsin never run away would run away at the game, but, you know, it was a it was an automatic L for every, about every year. Yeah, and again, I can you can debate this, and if somebody were to say, "Ah, eh, I think Illinois is a tougher building," I, I, I wouldn't say they were wrong definitively. It really is splitting hairs, but they've just been so successful in this place for a quarter century now that you can't, you you just you have to take account of that, right? Um, from a Michigan State perspective, it's been easier of late. You know, they won at Cole Center last year. They've won several times, actually, in the last, I don't know, 10 years or so. They've had yeah. a much, much better run. Um, but it's still, it's a, they've got a good student section, good crowd. They fill it consistently. And I think, though, you know, all those things add up to a, a tough environment for a road team to come into. Well, and the number three is the school that I think has you know, their venue is certainly the, probably the best tradition or sort of the most storied, I guess, is the assembly hall in Bloomington, Indiana for the Hoosiers. Uh, it's a place that Michigan State's had some success. It's, I don't feel like you go to assembly hall and you're definitely going to lose, but right. when Indiana's got a good team. They're obviously real tough to take down to your point early, you know, if they're a good team that you're not going to win there, but, um, I, great place. I've never been there. Uh, I've worked with plenty of people who are grads and they, you know, go on and on about assembly hall, but, also mentioning just kind of how old it is yeah <laughs> how old it feels yeah what's what's weird about indiana is this to me um i think you can i i would argue it's the most engaged most passionate fan base in the big 10 and right oh, there doubt. right there with any of them in the country you know um they fill it consistently so those are all good things but I think when you're at this level, you have to look for things that differ, can differentiate from one to another, you know, and they can be small things. But in this case, I don't think it's a small thing. When I compare them to Michigan State and Purdue, what they lack is that student section. Yep. 
I agree. They don't, they've got one, but it's not, it is not anywhere on par with the other two. And I think that does contribute to making that maybe just a little less difficult of an environment to win in than those other buildings. Wait, I don't even know. I don't feel like I ever see them on TV. Like, I don't even know where they're located. Right. I wonder if they're exactly, which again, the where, just like, like I said, for Ohio state, can you name what the student, what's the name of the student section in Indiana? I don't know. I don't know. Who's your student. I don't yeah, know. It, it's just, <laughs> it's just not, yeah, it, it's not a thing. And some of, some of that probably comes from Bob Knight. I, I just have a feeling that Bob Knight probably didn't feel something like that was necessary. Um, and, and so there's not the same, you know, whereas Michigan state has had one going back to Judd, you know, and it's ebbed and flowed as to how engaged people were with it, but it, it's, there's a long tradition of it, you know, at Indiana, I don't think that existed. And, and I do think that is a little bit of a, of an advantage for the two that I've got ahead of them. Well, and then we'll go to number two, which is Breslin, uh, obviously Michigan state with his own. And this actually brings me to one question. I don't know if you know the answer to this, but I was just thinking about this as we're talk, going through this, talking about student sections and uh-huh. the Orange Crush and Pink Crew. Uh, I don't recall there being a an official student section for Michigan State. I mean, certainly Izzo is obviously it didn't exist before Tom Izzo was there for a couple of years. Um, but were they around? The were they have they always been around where they are? Where they're basically circling the entire court uh, outside of like one or two the, sections? The, no, the uh, Izzo for, made adjustments in terms of where they right. were seated. Yes, that changed. Yes. Right, and and the actual creation of the Izzo, and then I wonder somewhat if they are sort of the progenitor of the other student sections actually having like identities, like the Paint Crew, to, like the Orange Crush. Like, did those exist before as entities? They, they, or was did, they the first did. one that I mean, actually was organized. No, they wouldn't be the first one. Certainly um, not even the first one at Michigan state. I mean, Michigan state had, I think two different names. There was one point that they were known as Judd's jungle. And then for a longer time, I think it was Spartan spirits, I believe okay. or what the student groups were called, but it didn't have, didn't have the same level of identity as the is I would say, you know, nationally, certainly the Cameron crazies were a big deal before the Izone was, but, but the Izone was still early in this more modern period of a strong identity and, and it being something that was so closely connected to the coach and kind of a, something that he was encouraging actively, Mm -hmm. you know, all of those things were definitely true. So um, yeah, I would say the Izone's not the, the progenitor of it all, but are they an influence on a lot of places? Yeah, I think that's clearly true. Like, I know there wasn't one at Michigan, you know, that had any sort no, of no, no, no. Maze Rage came along or even yeah. in, or at Iowa, even when I was at Iowa school, there wasn't a, there wasn't a Hawk's nest back then. And so it feels like people wanted to sort of like have a brand yep. for these, for the student sections. And it didn't really exist. I don't feel like until you know, at least recognizable, like, you know, you'd have the announcers that mentioned it during the game, right? Oh, there's his own, right. Or there's the orange crush, the pink crew, right. Like, they never talked about that before, but you know, again, maybe that's just my remembering. No, to to, I think it's, it's something that clearly has gained currency. It did exist. As I say, even at Michigan state, it existed, but not, not to this extent. Right. Not recognizable right. anyway, sort of big our face. Yeah. Well, then let's go to the toughest venue, which you have listed as Mackey Arena, which is uh, Purdue University. 
And I think to your point earlier, you know, where these teams, where the venues rank is in some reflect reflection of, you know, how good the teams are, right? Like sure. you go in there, are you just assuming you're going to lose? And, and Mackey, uh, probably hasn't always been number one on the list, but it certainly is now. It's certainly for Michigan State, which yeah, I think that that's fair. I mean, there were decades. There were periods of time where maybe I would have been inclined to think about coal, or I would have been inclined to think about State Farm when it was Illinois Assembly Hall. Yeah, it definitely changes some over time. But I will tell you this: I've been paying attention and aware of Big Ten basketball since 1977. And for the entirety of that time, Mackey Arena has always been among the toughest places to play. It's never waned. And Purdue's been mm-hmm. very good for most of that time. There have been some short periods where they weren't as competitive, but they didn't last long. And even in those years, you still felt nervous going into those places. I mean, you know, you look at it. Go back as recently as the year where the tournament got wiped out by COVID. So 1920, uh, Purdue was, if I recall correctly, was right on the precipice of being a tournament team or not. It was hard to know for sure. Did they need to win a Big Ten tournament game to sew it up? It was questionable, right? So not a great Purdue team. Michigan State, Big Ten champs, a team that by the time March rolled around, was seen as being as good as anyone in the nation. And MSU went in and got waxed, just got absolutely run out of that gym. That has happened. And then when Purdue is actually good, God help you. So it's, it's hard for me, you know, if there someone who isn't a Michigan state fan, maybe could look and make it look at and make a case for Breslin being the best. In part, because I'm a Michigan State fan, I can't do it because I don't, I can't speak to what it feels like as an opposing fan coming into Breslin, but I sure as hell can what it means to go into Mackey. And so that's why I give Purdue, there's kind of a reverse bias in a way working there. I think, I think Breslin has an argument, but Mac, the other thing is Mackey has been an incredibly intimidating building for much longer than Breslin. It's another one of these buildings built in the sixties, I believe. Um, and I mean, I go back, like I, I can remember, you know, I've seen every great Michigan state player you can think of. I've seen get beat sometimes in heartbreaking fashion and sometimes where they just got pounded in that building, all of them, you know, magic. (laughs) saw him get beat by an Arnett Hallman jumper at the buzzer, you know? Um, uh, Scott Skiles, Steve Smith, Sean Respert, Mateen Cleaves. I mean, on and on and on Cassius Winston, Denzel Valentine, Draymond green. They've all lost at Mackey. So that's my number one. It wasn't a particularly tough choice at, at this point in time. Yeah. Well, that's probably, and just that the fact that it's been that long of tradition yeah. is, is worth something for sure. Uh, I guess, you know, the question just for you is how many of these arenas have you been to? I mean, have you, do you, have you been to half of them at this point? Yeah, probably about that. Probably about that. Yeah. Yeah. Let me look real quick. One, two, Chrysler, Chrysler many times. Welsh Ryan wants, I said he wants, um, bum, bum, bum. Uh, yeah, about, uh, about five or six. Yeah, I've always thought it'd be kind of fun going to the to the arenas, but it might be kind of hard to get to 
get tickets for some of them. For some, so for like, some. And it's also, I also don't love going into going into a game in that situation where I feel like they don't have a chance, meaning Michigan State. And some of these oh, buildings. Oh, right. Going to, like going to watch them at yeah, Mackey. It's yeah, like, yeah I don't think that would be fun. I know I get lots of friends who come and watch their team, you know, come yeah. and play it. And Breslin, they're like, I don't know. It just, because it's close, it's an hour away. I might as well just go, but right. <laughs> my team's going to lose. Like, and, and as to your point of sort of the reverse bias, I always, I have a lot, I remember every loss that Michigan State's had at Breslin Center. And so I'm like, oh, this place is not invincible. But then I forget that, you know, they win almost all the time. Yeah. I mean, last year, the year before last was a very strange situation where they lost a lot at home, right. but for the most part. Yeah, that doesn't happen very often. Well, and the other exciting thing about the Breslin Center this year is we're having the seat readjustment. And so that's actually happening this week. And so there's a, for those who've been longtime listeners know that I've had problems with the heckler. And so almost for sure, I will not be buying. Well, maybe he's on the move too. You never know. You know, you, you, you're, you should be positive for me. You should be be happy for me. You guys can be joined at the hip. (laughs) If he has the same amount of Spartan points, I'll be so upset at this point. (laughs) So we're going to try and get onto the other side of the arena. We'll see how things work. It's funny because when you start the the reassignment, the of course the entire arena is open. You're like, oh, this is not going to be bad. But by the time it comes to us, uh, I think it's going to be largely filled up. I mean, not large. It'll be a lot filled up. And so then you have to make a decision: do you want to sit down low or sit up high? Right. You know, and then as far as you know, where you're on the sight lines and such. But looking forward to that. It's always exciting to get new people you sit by and. The word the before this guy the heckler the last person who drove me crazy was probably two adjustments ago, and this woman would just yell all the time in the game get the re, get the re, <laughs> and I've never heard anyone ever say that in my life and I don't know why I just found it so grating but just just say rebound it's or just get the board whatever but she would just kept saying get the re and I'm like I don't think anybody says that except you lady but anyway. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll step away now. And again, reminder to continue supporting the show. You can go to the final fours, not the schedule.com slash support. You can give one-time gifts via PayPal or Venmo or monthly contributions through Patreon. Those are obviously greatly appreciated. If you want to get a hold of it to become a sponsor of the show, you can get a hold of me at eric at tiffnuts.com. And for our great sponsors, visit them. You won't regret it. Nudge printing. You get 20% off if you enter final four. Uh, the coupon code again, nudgeprinting.com or Brothers Gutters. The Brothers is just two gutters. You can go to brothersgutters.com, get 10% off if you say Final Four to them as well, either Greg on the southeast side or or uh, Kurt out on the west side of the state. So until next time, the Final Four is on the schedule. Go green. <laughs> At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail. The ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.